Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. We've got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show There are so many breaking news stories that we are trying to cover today. And joining us now to discuss is Ben Weingarten, one of my favorite guests because he's so knowledgeable on actually everything we're discussing today. Uh, I wanted to start with the news that three U.S. soldiers were killed in a drone attack in Jordan. Um, And Ben, this is something when it comes to these proxy groups you've been warning about for a while, you're not alone in that front. There's been a lot of warnings to the Biden administration that this strategy of appeasement is not going to work. Um, Now he's facing a lot of pressure to respond. What do you see happening next, Ben? More of the same pinprick strikes that don't actually change the equation in any way or strike fear into the hearts of the mullahs in Tehran, precisely because for the administration to actually deliver a crippling blow to Iran and therefore to deter both its direct forces and its proxies, would run completely counter. It would completely contradict the entire Biden administration agenda, which is really a continuation of the Obama-Biden administration agenda, to empower Iran, its proxies, and its Sunni Islamic supremacist partners and allies as well, and make, essentially, America haters and Israel haters the strong horse in the Middle East to create, quote-unquote, some kind of balance or stability. That precisely explains all of the asinine and utterly anti-American moves the Biden administration has taken since day one in this region, from de-designating the Houthis as a terrorist group, and now he goes back with a fake partial designation, which is precisely in keeping with my argument that actually countering Iran would completely upend what Biden wants to do in the Middle East. Obviously, to restoring funding to all these anti-American and anti-Israel organizations, including the Palestinian Authority and including the U.N.-related entities that essentially provide material support to terrorist groups, laboring to get back into an Iran nuclear deal 2.0, engaging in hostage exchanges and unfreezing billions of dollars with Tehran, and probably most importantly, not enforcing oil sanctions, which allow tens of billions of dollars to flow into Tehran's coffers, plus allowing them to attack with impunity America's troops and the bases and the assets of our allies and partners. The only way to explain what would otherwise look like an insane, totally anti-American agenda is not cowardice or appeasement. I would argue it's complicity, because this is actually a feature, not a bug, of the Biden administration's policy. It is to aid, abet, and enable and empower Iran. And this is precisely how Iran would respond in the face of a complicit American president. 
Yeah, you just mentioned um, the UN, and that brings me to another topic that I'm dying to get your take on. I'm reading now from the Times of Israel. It says, UNRWA, UNRWA workers accused of kidnapping women taking part in kibbutz massacre. This is according to a report, and and I just want to read you two different things, Ben. It says, seven of the accused were teachers at UNRWA schools, and two worked in schools in different capacities. The other three were described as a clerk, a social worker, and a storeroom manager. And the other part of this that I found um, very telling is it says the agency supporters say the allegations against it aim to diminish the long festering refugee issue and called the cut in funding collective punishment. Now, you just mentioned the Biden administration and what they have chosen to fund. I think it's important to remind people that the Trump administration did cut funding to this group. Can you give us your reaction to this? Well, just like with the Houthis, the Obama, the Biden administration, uh, Freudian slip there, (laughs) the Biden administration undoes what the Trump administration did, which is to basically do no harm. Stop funding your adversaries and the adversaries of our close allies and exert maximum pressure on them to bring them to heel rather than coddling them and essentially empowering them. The UNRWA, this so-called refugee administration, Look back to its very beginning. This was supposed to be about people who left so-called Palestine over 50 years ago, now more like 60 years ago, over 60 years ago. The number of refugees expanded from several hundred thousand to today over five million. That's the only organization in the world where the refugee number multiplies by tenfold. How does that happen? Because this administration, which was this UNRWA agency, which was supposed to be temporary and transient in nature, failed in its stated purpose, which was to resettle refugees, and instead created new generations of refugees out of thin air, precisely because the entire point was to perpetuate the quote-unquote Palestinian refugee crisis, a perpetual one that's gone on for decades now, as a cudgel against Israel, because ultimately the only solution to the refugee crisis is the destruction of Israel and a Palestine from the river to the sea. UNRWA itself, if you look back, going back decades, has been responsible for, first of all, administering the schools in Gaza and and, and beyond, which promote textbooks and indoctrinate students in Jew hatred, America hatred, anti-Semitism to the nth degree. UNRWA offices in the past, it's been alleged and I believe proven, have been used materially by Hamas, because, of course, Hamas controls Gaza. So if you're a U.N. agency operating there, of course, Hamas is going to capture your institutions. But then, as we know here, of course, there's complicity as well. UNRWA presents a humanitarian face to an organization that's a force multiplier and colludes with, it appears, Hamas. And this goes to something that is kind of a fraud that is even deeper than just UNRWA, which is using the cover of humanitarian means to protect and provide a virtuous and moral veneer for actually genocidal jihadist activity. And that goes to the funding of Gaza in and of itself. Billions of dollars of so-called humanitarian aid have flowed into Gaza. What was it used for? Creating a terror tunnel network and creating a mini terror state on Israel's border, which was used to, used to stage one of the most cataclysmic attacks in the history of the Jewish people and the worst one since the Holocaust, With the support of so-called civilians, by the way, not just Hamas, which was elected and has been in power there for over a decade, 
but with civilian support and it appears with UNRWA support as well. And UNRWA is comprised of tens of thousands of workers, mainly who constitute Palestinian Arabs. Not at all surprising this this will be a captured agency. But I think the important point to note is that this is an agency that is supposed to provide a virtuous veneer and a legitimacy to a cause which aims to eradicate the Jewish people. And so it's no surprise UNRWA, just like its parent, the UN, would take such a posture. And the, the defense that you raise that they've put up is laughable. Collective punishment, that's not a denial. And that speaks volumes. Yeah, Ben, are there a lot of other agencies, and maybe I'm I'm naive here, and uh, I wouldn't put that, I wouldn't doubt that. Are there a lot of other UN agencies and agencies in general that we're funding or, you know, sending a lot of money to that we should be suspicious of? A lot of these agencies that have all of these virtuous, you know, goals and causes that are actually doing a lot more harm than good? Well, you know, we've heard a lot about the so-called International Red Cross, and we know that a substantial amount of the so-called humanitarian aid that the Biden administration has forced Israel to permit into Gaza is at very minimum taken by Hamas and used to resupply itself. But more broadly, if you look at our aid organizations overall and then take the U.N. itself and, and many U.N. sub-entities, do they support America's national interests or the interests of our adversaries and essentially try to create moral equivalency between, say, the U.S. or Israel and many of those adversaries? Absolutely. These agencies, uh, oftentimes, and various entities of the U.N., for example, are run by Chinese Communist Party members, run by the mullahs in Tehran, run by Russian representatives, run through the list of bad actors in the world, and the U.N. gives them essentially a veto over U.S. Uh, being able to a- operate in a way consistent with our national interest, and also uses our largesse, obviously, billions of dollars every year. We've given over $6 billion to UNRWA alone. And this is just one agency of the UN to go towards indoctrinating adversaries of Israel and adversaries of America, ultimately, and helping promote, essentially, Hamas's genocidal jihadist cause. This is one agency, but there are myriad agencies in sort of the uh, international organization, NGO, archipelago, so to speak, that work at cross-purposes and oftentimes undermine U.S. interests, oftentimes with U.S. taxpayer dollars. And Ben, it's amazing, too, because during the Trump administration, when he would bring up these issues or bring up these doubts he had about these agencies, he was roundly criticized as like this uncaring, you know, callous jerk who was just trying to defund things. And in reality, a lot of his suspicions were very founded. Um, ben, I wanted to to skip over here to one other thing that you're a huge expert on, and that would be Ilhan Omar. She's in the news because in a recent speech, she said that the U.S. government exists. This is news to me. This is breaking news. Uh, the U.S. government exists to safeguard the interests of Somalia as someone who wrote a book. Well, first of all, tell people where they can get your book if they want to read it. And, and second of all, Give us a little bit of insight. Does this track with what you know about Ilhan Omar? Well, first of all, uh, thanks for the uh, the kind book plug. Uh, American Ingrid, I wrote it uh, in late 2019, came out in 2020, get it on Amazon and elsewhere. And, and what I lay out in that book was that she was the personification of the 
future, if not the present, of the Democrat Party and how it was taken over, would be taken over by progressive ideologues. And she also had the intersectional so-called benefit, which was the buzzword at the time, uh, maybe we call it woke or identitarian now, of the fact that she portrayed herself as, you know, the intersectional ally of, as well, the third world broadly, the Muslim world in particular. And so she held up her kind of I'm a Somali female Muslim American, as well as an ardent leftist. She personified this kind of unholy alliance that exists between Islamist forces in America and the left. With respect to her comments, essentially her Somalia first comments and uh, beyond, it's completely consistent with what I wrote in the book, which explores the broader context of her upbringing as sort of a pseudo-royal in Somalia, whose family was, had a senior position militarily within the Marxist-Islamist dictatorship that existed there. When it collapsed, that's when her family fled. But she has for years been deeply intertwined with and had deep connections to Somali leaders, entities that are tied to jihadist groups in Somalia, and, that she, and has used her position essentially to promote her view of Somalia first. And so the comments that we're seeing here are completely consistent with the positions that she's taken in the past, the ties that she has. And this was a person who was serving on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, including its subcommittee on African Affairs. And that speaks to the danger, one of the myriad dangers when it comes to Ilhan Omar, of this person serving as a U.S. representative. Ben Weingarten, we have to end it here, but I thank you so much for joining us. Everyone should follow Ben on Twitter at BHWeingarten and also follow his substack, weingarten.substack.com. We will be right back. We'll take your calls on this, and I want to talk more about Ilhan Omar when we return. How he got the flu shot and he came down with the flu, the mailer manager came down with RSV. Um, we've all been getting, you know, getting hit with different things as as tends to happen in the wintertime. You get the sniffles or you get a stomach bug. Um, and when winter is here, you need to be prepared. And I always tell people, sometimes it's the process of getting the medication that can really extend an illness for like an extra week, as opposed to nipping it in the bud and having everything at the ready. That's where the emergency med kit comes in from the wellness company. It has eight potentially life-saving medications to fight everything from COVID and bronchitis to pneumonia, nausea, so much more. You don't want to lose a week or two to one of these illnesses. You don't want to be, you know, knocked out. You want to be able to fight these things and have everything at the ready. So don't get caught not being able to see your doctor to obtain these medications. You want to get this emergency kit from the wellness company. Now, after your purchase, you'll complete a clinical intake form, and once approved, your medical emergency kit will be shipped right to your doorstep. Then people tend to ask me, like, what's actually in it? And it's all things that you've heard of and that you'd want to have at the ready. Um, it's amoxicillin, ivermectin, z things that you know you're going to need at some point in the winter season. It comes with a 22-page guidebook with instructions on safe use for every medication. And the best part is I'm going to tell you how to get it. Order today at twc.health slash curly. Use code curly10 for 10% off. There's nothing like being prepared when you start to feel under the weather and knowing, oh, I've got just the thing to handle this. That's twc.health slash curly. Don't forget to use code curly10. We'll be right back. 
You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. I'm starting to feel uh, not an anger. It's a frustration for voters in this country because, and here's why. Ilhan Omar, for example, she's a perfect example of this. You can't really be that mad at her because she's being honest. Like, she's giving a speech. This isn't something where, oh, somebody caught her in a hot mic saying that uh, Somalians are her top priority and that she thinks that the U.S. government exists in order to safeguard the interests of Somalia. She said this in a speech, and she was delivering it, guaranteed. It was in another language. But still, she's not thinking that no one is going to be able to translate this speech and figure out what she's actually saying. She's being very honest. And that's something I say about these squad members, like like them or not, which if you listen to my show, you're probably aware I'm not I'm not too keen on a lot of their policies, a lot of their ideas. But you can't say that they're trying to trick anybody. You you can't say that like, oh, I was sold a false bill of goods here with this Ilhan Omar. She's pretty open about what she thinks. The only thing I'd argue is that she says her top priority is Somalia. And I would argue that it's probably tied with being anti-Semitic. Like those are two, those two top priorities are kind of competing with each other. But can you really say that she hasn't at every step of the way been honest about who she is and what she wants to accomplish. So I blame the people that are voting for her. I blame the people who are like, I've been duped. No, you haven't. Same thing with AOC. Same thing with all these voters in New York. New York's a good example. Or, or Chicago. Because people, people say, oh, you know, this is insane that illegal aliens are being put into our children's schools. Or this is insane that uh, all the hotels are being filled up with people and then we have veterans on the street. And it's like, yeah, it's insane. But it makes sense. It's insane. But you could have seen this coming if you were paying attention. Nobody was tricked here. Nobody was tricked. Today's poll question is brought to you by Tobias Hearing Center in Quincy, Mass. Um, Howie went to Tobias and they fitted him with a pair of state-of-the-art hearing aids. They can help you, too. And for a limited time only, if you mention Howie Carr, you'll receive up to $200 off your hearing aids. That's TobiasHearing.com. One more time, TobiasHearing.com. It's in Quincy, Mass., so it's easy to get to. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is will Ilhan Omar be punished for her speech saying Somalia is her number one priority? No, no, I don't think she'll be censured or anything like that. I don't think that, um, I don't think anyone is, her colleagues aren't surprised. I mean, we know that for, they're very well aware of how she feels. So no, unless she's punished by not getting reelected at some point, which I also don't see happening. 
95% of the audience agrees with you. They say no way. All right, when we come back, is it Trump's fault that the stinking pile of crap border bill didn't get any further? We'll discuss. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. We'll continue to take your calls for the rest of the hour. The number is 844-500-4242. And we have been discussing the three U.S. soldiers who were killed in a Jordan drone attack. Um, and Or a drone attack that occurred in Jordan is how I should probably put that. And it's a horrible story, and unfortunately, um, a lot of people, a lot of people aren't surprised because they've been warning the Biden administration that their strategy of appeasement when it comes to the Iranian proxies is has not been working, and, and it would really escalate and get to a point where people were killed. And there were plenty of pieces on this; like you didn't have to have any sort of top secret classified information to gather that information to gather that kind of intel i had access to it from just i don't even have a subscription to the wall street journal i just occasionally ask howie carr to send me columns from the wall street journal and i knew that this was bound to happen because everybody who's been watching this administration and then if you want to go back to the obama administration the handling of Iran in both of the administrations has been abhorrent. And you know what um, Ben Weingarten pointed out? And it kind of goes into what Senator Rand Paul was saying about how we're the, the sugar daddy of the world. But it just it adds like the extra layer of insanity because a lot of people are pointing out and, and there's been comparisons made between the Biden administration and the Carter administration. And obviously, one of the main reasons is inflation, such a big issue in both. But I think that something that really differentiates the Biden administration from the Carter administration is this extra layer of insanity that seems to be covering every issue or crisis this administration confronts or creates. And what I mean by that is it's not just, oh, we are not going to have a strategy of deterrence. We are not going to have a strategy of strength when it comes to dealing with these Iranian proxies. That That's not enough. Like, that's something where you could look at and go, oh, that's a bad strategy. They thought that would work. They thought they could be, um, they thought they could appease Iran and it, it backfired. That's something that maybe you could say, okay, the bad strategy. But where the Biden administration differs from other administrations is they say, not only are we going to have a bad strategy, we're going to fund this bad strategy. Like we're going to fund the other side of this. Not only are we not going to do anything to deter these proxies from attacking. We're going to send them money. Like, do you, do you know what I'm saying? It's that extra, it's that extra layer of nuttiness that makes this administration stand out from other administrations. 
they really they're they're a big like hold my beer style administration. Oh, you think that's bad? Just wait. You think it's bad that we have a border that's wide open? We're going to fight the Texas National Guard that's trying to close the border. Oh, you you think it's bad that we're letting all these people in? We're going to incentivize it even more. We're going to let people stay in hotels. Like they always take it up a notch. They see the craziness and they raise it more craziness. It's just something I've noticed. Ron, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Ron. Grace, hello. Hello. What's going on? Hey, I'm glad you're talking about things like appeasement and um, weak men make, uh, or, yeah, weak men make hard times uh, because, um, and hopefully there's some progressive Democrats listening so that they know that we know what's going on. But um, I'm going to string this together the best that I can. Uh, we've been appeasing uh, the left for far too long, and that's why we love to see things like uh, the trucker convoy, because individually, uh, just as individuals, the left are usually, um, you know, wimps, nerds, creepy scientists, dupes, whatever they are, but they band together and they use these control systems like censorship and um, negative reinforcement to... Uh, basically terrorize us you know do this or else you lose your job um or you'll be publicly shamed all this other uh stuff that's been going on um and they use you know they use censorship they use gaslighting stonewalling uh evasive tactic tactics um all that stuff and um i i hope that made sense what i what i was saying because um that that's what has been going on and we've been they are depending upon us to live in fear and also be uh, apolitical and ambivalent and just go along to get along. Yeah, I think that was really well said, Ron. And I think what you're what you're also making me think of is the fact that most of the time when you talk to people and you whisper about things that are going on, a lot of people agree with the evil right you know a lot of people agree a lot of people can get on board with sane policy and and, but they can't say it in in polite society like ron said you'll be run out of town on a rail you'll lose your job you'll be publicly shamed you'll be ostracized from you know social events and so it's it's rare but it's becoming increasingly more popular for people like bill ackman for example or like elon musk who have that bleep you money that a lot of other people don't have access to to actually use it and to actually say you know what i'm not going to go along to get along i'm i I know i'm going to get pushback like take a look at aaron Rodgers. no matter what you say and and i'm not saying that i agree with everything aaron Rodgers says but i like the fact that he's not afraid to say what he thinks and ron is right most people most people in their regular lives don't tell you what they're really thinking because they are afraid because it's not popular. I was thinking about that over the weekend. I was watching the football and um, I saw Samantha, I think her name's Samantha Ponder and she's on, I don't know if she's on ESPN or something, but I saw her and I was talking to a friend and I said, oh yeah, she actually at one point retweeted something. I don't know if it was a retweet from Riley Gaines, but it was something along the lines of protecting women's sports and not going along with men competing against women. And she got so much pushback for this. And I remember thinking, 
she knew she was going to get pushback for it. Like she knew she she had seen that that movie enough times play out that she knew that if you do this, you get a lot of heat. I mean, J.K. Rowling, we've seen that happen over and over again. But something happened where she I don't know if she looked inward or if she just thought about it. And she said, for me, this is worth it right now. For me, even though I know I'm going to get this pushback, even though I know I could lose my job, I could lose this great job where I make tons of money. I got to say what I think. I have to say what I think in this moment. And I'm noticing as things keep getting weirder and weirder and you have crisis after crisis and things are getting more and more dangerous and more and more out of control, you are seeing people go that route and say, yeah, it's financially, I I might take a hit. Socially, you know, on on social media, my reputation might take a hit. But I can't just go along with the insanity. And that's what the left's banking on. Oh, yeah. And speaking of, let's play cut two. This is uh, Bill Maher was talking to Stephen A. Smith about this over the weekend. This is cut two. Let's interject one thing into this discussion about Trump that we've been having all night. It was a question I was going to ask you. We ran out of time. Sure. The Atlantic put out an article last year, and it was called Separating Sports by Sex Doesn't Make Sense. Right. And talked about how we separate sports like the WNBA. Just because it's just socialization. This is insane. I agree. Okay. That's why people vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. Because there's stuff like that on the left that people just go, uh, I know Trump's horrible. But separating by sports by sex makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And if you think it doesn't, uh, you can't leave the country. And that's Completely cutting good. off your nose to spite your face. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I'm just, I'm just giving you the answer to the question you're asking all night long. Why do they vote for Donald Trump? It's not always because they like him. No, it's because stuff like that well, is kookier to them. So who's the, the person there? Is that Seth MacFarlane? Seth MacFarlane, From yeah. Family Guy. I'm glad Family that we Guy. heard him in that, that cut. This was a panel. This was... Seth MacFarlane, creator, Family Guy, Adam Schiff, and Stephen A. Smith Ooh, sitting here with Bill Maher. That I mean that that was that was a panel. You couldn't you couldn't pay me to sit down and watch <laughs> that. But I do like Bill Maher. Um, again, because he's not saying anything crazy. Like he's just saying things that make sense occasionally, and yet now he's considered. A moderate, and he's not. He's a he's a, a he's very liberal, and he's pointed this out before. He said, "I did not become right wing." Okay, the left has just gone so far left that they've left me behind. And I want to play Seth MacFarlane because this cut really cracked me up. Uh, this is cut one. First of all, I have no idea what what these outlets gain by allowing comments on their uh, on their sites. It's like this reporter took the time to research this, to fact check it, oversight from an editor, and if they got it wrong, then they have to print a retraction. Um, what if it's just slanted? It's what is wrong? But just, what if it's just slanted? What if it's not wrong? It's just slanted, that, that, and that's what somebody's pointing out in the column. Well, then Were write they, a letter to the editor. Do your research and formulate your argument. Uh, but, that's like, but that that appears a week later. So what? What's the so, because but then I've forgotten it, or I don't but see. But it's that. like there's there's this there's this this thing we take for granted now that the the journalist who did the work gets to have their uh, uh, piece put on the same shelf as everyone else's spur of the moment. Bull- you seem to trust journalists more than I do. I trust certain journalists. Yeah, yeah, I do. I certain ones I do. Yeah. not a lot. And not a lot. I, no, 
and I'm, everything I read, it, whatever source, it's only half the truth. They print, they print the narrative. They don't print truth. That's a they, generalization, though. Well, it, it is, really? but it's because it's generally true. They print the side of the story. By the way, that's exactly print, what Donald Trump wants. What they, you just said is exactly what he wants. I, it doesn't matter. Don't trust, don't trust the reporters. Okay. Don't trust the journalists. Well, well wait, Hitler was a vegetarian. Hold. doesn't mean I'm like Donald Trump. <laughs> well, uh, hold on, hold on. I, I, and I want to play the, the end of this because he says something at the end that cracks me up. But is Seth MacFarlane really that naive where he's like, oh, you don't yeah, trust my, the journalists? Have you been asleep for the past 10 years? Have you caught any of these so-called retractions or any of these updates on stories that you trust so much? I mean, come on, man. Get, Get with the times a little bit. And I love how he says that's what Trump wants. Like, that's okay. That that doesn't make it not true. Like just because, oh well, that's that's what Trump said. Trump could be right. Is that something you can grapple with? That maybe Trump is onto something. It's like that expression I always love to butcher. Just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean they're not after me. Now play the Yanks. This is the real kicker. Truth. That's a they, generalization, though. Well, it, it is, really? but it's because it's generally true. They print the side of the story. By the way, that's they exactly print, what Donald Trump wants. What they, you just said is exactly what he wants. I, it doesn't matter. Don't trust, don't trust the reporters. Okay. Don't trust the journalists. Well, Hitler was a vegetarian. Doesn't mean I'm like Donald <laughs> Trump. Uh, oh, we didn't get the last. There, there's a part at the end where he says, I'm not partisan. I read, um, I read John Bolton's book. And I love that oh, because it's, okay. it's like, it, it's... This is always the excuse you hear is that, oh, uh, he's a Republican. I, I donated to Liz Cheney's pack. I donated to Adam Kinzinger's pack. Yeah, but Seth MacFarlane, he's supposed to be a comedian, by the way. Doesn't seem to have a very good sense of humor. 844-500-4242. When we come back, we'll take your calls. I also, I do want to talk about Mitch McConnell and this border failure. So now they're saying that it was all Trump's fault, that Mitch McConnell backed away from this border bill because he didn't want to undermine Donald Trump, who's clearly the nominee. Um, I have some arguments with this and i actually did fall for it in the beginning this narrative that just picked up a lot of steam over the weekend but there's a great piece in the federalist that breaks this down that we will get to we entertained a lot over the holiday season and when friends and family came over to the house and spotted the eden pure thunderstorm in the kitchen so many said oh you really use it huh and i would say yeah i really use it because it really works right now eden pure is offering their three-pack special we get questions all the time about why we love the thunderstorm and there's so many reasons to love it it's small you hold it you can hold it in your hand it does not take up a lot of room and what i love about it is that it eliminates the odors so this isn't something where it's going to cover up odors it's actually going to get rid of them and the the reason that's so important is because sometimes you'll get these devices and they, they send out like a flowery, perfumey smell. It makes things smell worse somehow. It like doubles down on the smell. You want to get rid of it. Uh, and that is exactly what the Eden Pure can do. It can also work in your car, in your basement to get rid of musty smells. If you've got a smoker in the house, it can get rid of tobacco smells. So there's just so much that this device can do. 
And it's silent. You can't really hear it, but it's powerful. So with a three-pack special, you can use one in your kitchen, office, or even your car. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and use code GRACE3. That's EdenPureDeals.com, code GRACE and the number three. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is The Grace Curley Show. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is The Grace Curley Show. There were a lot of headlines last week that Donald Trump torpedoed the immigration bill and and the deal that was going to come to fruition. And it didn't because of Donald J. Trump. And uh, I believe this is Eddie Scary from. Yeah, this is Eddie Scary from The Federalist. He said, if that makes absolutely zero sense, don't be alarmed. You're not having a stroke. That's the ridiculous narrative pushed in earnest by the national media at the very obvious behest of McConnell's team. Now, Eddie breaks down what actually happened without ever publicly revealing the details of a supposedly gangbusters border security bill senate republican leadership told their colleagues in both houses of congress that they definitely needed to get on board that such a lucky star only shows itself once in a lifetime and that the window to pounce was now or never to great relief some republicans were smart enough to pass on that golden opportunity And this is what Eddie writes. You mean we get the absolute pleasure of signing on to a bill that we've never seen and which our constituents know nothing about on the biggest crisis the country has faced in more than 20 years? Tell me more. But the media, goaded by McConnell's team, tried in earnest to make it seem that Trump was the reason for the collapse of what would have been an immaculate deal to solve the problems at the border. And I kind of felt everybody's always blaming me for everything. I didn't fall for it like, oh, it's Donald Trump's fault. But I was happy that Republicans seemed to be using some common sense and weren't just going along with this border deal to reach a compromise, you know, so we can say we did something. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'd rather you not be able to say you did anything than go along with this boondoggle. But it is funny that they want to make it seem like, oh, this mysterious bill was going to fix everything until Donald Trump... Until Donald Trump came and he ruined it. And Mitch McConnell couldn't couldn't make it happen because of the evil orange man. Don't fall for that. Uh, another thing I wanted to let people know about that won't surprise you in the slightest bit is also from the Federalist. It says former IRS contractor Charles Littlejohn, who stole and helped publicize the tax records of Donald Trump and also 7,500 other wealthy Americans, could face little or no jail time when he's sentenced later this month because the DOJ allowed him to plead guilty to a single felony count. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. Paul Sperry has a very long but very comprehensive piece on this sweetheart deal that the Biden DOJ has struck with the Trump tax leaker. And yeah, he is the Trump tax leaker, but as Paul Sperry points out, it's not just Trump. It's not just Trump. Um, 
Prosecutors acknowledge the plea deal does not account for the fact that he leaked thousands of individuals' tax returns. His sentencing range would be the same today if he had leaked only a single return. Definitely check that piece out by Paul Sperry. It is worth reading. When we come back, David Marcus is going to give us the latest on the E. Jean Carroll case and whether or not she's going to get $83 million. Don't go anywhere.